All right, well, today I'm going to share some things. How many like to have a good time in church? I like to have a good time. So let's start out with a joke. Okay, ready? Knock, knock. Pretty good. Most of you got that. We'll try one more time. Everybody participating. Ready? Knock, knock. Let's tell it. Let's tell a pastor's knock, knock. You ready? You're getting there. This will be a pastor's knock, knock joke. Knock, knock. Needle. Need a little more in the offering next Sunday. So that's a pastor's knock. I'm kidding. Oh, we'll do a, one more. A Bible knock, knock. Ready? Knock, knock. Noah. We never do know his last name, do we? It's just Noah. It's a sad thing. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Take out your Bibles. Let's go to the Bible. Get, invite the Holy Spirit back. Actually, the name of the message is Knock, Knock. Who's there? Here's the answer. You are. You are. You're supposed to be there. You do the knocking. Because we're going to be talking about asking this morning, asking God and asking big. And we get this idea from an exhortation Jesus gives in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Don't worry, we're not going to read all three verses, all three chapters, I mean. But uh, in this little chunk of Scripture is a massive download that Jesus is giving the disciples before he goes to the cross, before he goes to Gethsemane in 17, gives the high priestly priestly prayer. So he has the Last Supper. He washes the disciples' feet, John chapter 13, and then chapter 14, 15, 16, he begins this incredible download to prepare the disciples on how they're to relate to the Father when he leaves. He's getting them ready for his departure. It says all kinds of amazing things. But he begins to really talk to them about asking the Father. And here's how some of the dialogue goes. John chapter 15, verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, I chose you. That's a good reminder. On his way out, he goes, don't forget, fellas, <laughs> you didn't choose me. This wasn't your idea. I chose each and every one of you. We all have to remember that. You didn't choose God. God chose you. And you think you chose him. <laughs> he did all the heavy lifting. He chose you. He didn't just choose you so you could get to go to heaven when you die either. That's what he said to the disciples. Not only did I choose you, I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide or remain. So that purpose, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he would give it to you. I chose you so you'd bear fruit. And, and bearing fruit, there's an exchange that goes on. The whole idea of bearing fruit and fruit that remains is a relationship with you and the Father. He says, so I did all this so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Chapter 16, look at verse 23 and 24. He says, in that day you will ask nothing of me. What day? The day I'm out of here. He's telling me, look, guys, I'm going. It's to your advantage that I leave. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm out of here. And so in that day, you're not going to ask me anything. Why? I won't be here. He said, up to now, you've been asking me directly. I've been a human. (laughs) I'm God in flesh. I've been dwelling with you. You can ask me anything you want, but I'm leaving. So he says, in that day you will ask nothing of me, truly, truly, I say unto you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, as if I were here, he will give it to you. Isn't that cool? He's setting them up. He's saying, guys, this is going to be even better. I'm leaving, but I'm going to set you up with the Holy Spirit, and he's going to help you continuously pray, ask the Father, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. That's pretty cool. And one more verse right after that. So he says, until now, you've asked nothing in my name, so ask, 
I want you to ask. You see what I'm saying? Come on, guys, ask. Ask, ask. Your relationship, once I leave, is going to be an asking relationship with the Father. Ask, and you will receive that purpose, what? Your joy may be full. Jesus left and didn't leave them sorrowful, pitiful, and helpless. Jesus left with a mission to go back to the Father, send the Holy Spirit, and cause us to begin asking the Father to bring his kingdom so that our joy would be full. Is that not cool? That's the mission we're on together. And it's going to happen if we do it his way. If we do it his way. This whole thing about asking, it's awesome. This word ask, it's one of the words that we use for prayer, actually. There's a lot of different Bible words for prayer. There's a whole language of New Testament prayer that we see from Scripture. For instance, I don't have these on the PowerPoint, just throw these ideas out so you realize that prayer is just not one word. It's one of the methods by which we approach God. So Second Timothy, or 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, Paul says, I urge you, therefore, brothers, he says, first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessions with thanksgiving be made for all men. I mean, that's a pretty big load right in that one verse. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all men. That's, that's one sentence that describes several different types of prayer that we're to make for one another. So in that, we have just the word prayer, one that we commonly translate, prayer. Let's just pray. Pray about it. Let's pray about it. Well, you just need to pray. Well, let's pray. Did you pray? I prayed. How long do you? And we just throw prayer around. But what is prayer? This word prayer is prosuke. It's the most common word for prayer in the New Testament, translated the most, prosuke. It means to position yourself before God, pro, and face-to-face communion with God. Facial communion, communing with God, talking to God, communion, back and forth, exchanging your thoughts, his thoughts, your complaints. We talked about in the Sunday school about how you know, we can go to God and just complain. You should smile. That's good news. You can go to God and start out with a good, old, hard complaint, you know, and just kind of get it out. That's the next word, supplication. I mean, kind of use that word very often. You know, the poor supplicators, they never get their own night, and they never get invited. Tuesday night, intercessors. Thursday night, supplicators. They go, supplicators, what's that? I don't know. I think they serve supper. Maybe we should go. Supplicate. It sounds like suffocate. I'm not going to go. You might die. I don't know. I... What's a supplicator? Supplication is a great word. It's the Greek word deomai, and it means literally to pour out yourself in entreaty, entreating God by pouring yourself out. Here's the catch, not knowing the answer. Pouring yourself out before God, not knowing the answer. Admit it now. You probably supplicate more than you've ever realized. How many times do we actually go to God, first of all, not knowing the answer? Second of all, just pouring out our grief, our trouble, our emotions. God wants that. We need to supplicate more. All right, Thursday night, supplicators meet us here. You know, supplication is powerful. It's how we pour ourselves out. See, we want God to pour in, but sometimes we got too much in. (laughs) It's like we just kept, you know, we have to kind of empty the files out, put a little in the trash can, and say, okay, God, I can get a download now. Sometimes our hard drive is so full, we haven't got room when God wants to give us something. So we got to pour ourselves out, not knowing the answer. That's a good way to come to God. See, a lot of times we come to God and we think we're supposed to come to God with the answer and just pray the answer. That'll work sometimes, but most of the time, folks, admit it. We don't know. That's when we come to God and say, God, I don't know. You do. Now I'm a recipient of your wisdom. I can receive from you. Supplication is powerful. Prayers, supplications, intercessions. We know intercession. 
and tunkano is the Greek word there, and it means to, to come to God on behalf of someone else that can't. You lend your an- access to God on behalf of someone that doesn't have it, a lost person, a sick person, a needy person, someone that you don't even know, but we intercede. We stand in the gap. We're in the middle between someone that can't touch God and us who can, and we bridge that. That's powerful. Intercession is powerful. We need to be doing all of those, prayers, intercessions, supplications, but there's this other word, ask, that Jesus is telling the disciples. I'm going to the Father. I'm leaving. Up to now, you've asked nothing in my name, so ask and keep asking. I want you to ask the Father. He's trying to tie our relationship into God, yes, through prayer, but what kind of prayer? Asking him. This is a very strong word in the Greek language. It's the Greek word, aiteo. This is a very strong word. It is the strongest word we have in asking that comes close to demanding, very close. It's not shake your fist, God, you owe me, I demand. It's not that selfish demanding. It's a demanding request, often translated request or petition, based on the certainty of the answer. Big difference from supplication, isn't it? Supplication, you come to God and you don't know the answer. You just pour yourself out on behalf of your situation, something else that God, I don't know. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. That's beautiful. How many know in Romans 8, 26, it says, likewise, the Spirit helps our weakness. You say, what weakness are you talking about? He goes, glad you asked, because he continues. For we know not what to pray as we ought to pray. So our, one of our biggest weaknesses is our prayer life. Admit it. It is. It's a, it, we all feel weak. And God purposely allows weakness to come to us so that we rely on the Holy Spirit, so that we go to the Father and ask. But the Spirit comes and helps us. It says, the Spirit helps our weakness because we don't know. And in the Greek, actually, it says we don't know the what to pray for. So that's where we come to God and say, I don't know what to pray for. I think I know. I'm sick. I need healing. That's kind of broad. But, God, there might be something else. I don't know what to pray for here. I don't know what to pray for them. I don't know what this is. How do I pray, God? And he says, here's the answer. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for the saints. He comes and he starts interceding. He lends his perfect access to God to us through spiritual language. Because he begins to intercede for the saints with groanings that can't be uttered. Because it says the Spirit always prays the mind of God. Isn't that cool? You don't. Neither do I. We, we don't get to pray the perfect mind of God, but the Holy Spirit does. That's why we need the helper. Help me pray here. I've been praying in the Spirit more in the last couple of years than ever in my last 33 years, walking as a tongue talker, you know. But I'll tell you what, it's not just talking in tongues. It's speaking to God, praying, interceding, crying out to God, getting answers that I don't have. And Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to help that great weakness of not knowing. So this word, iteo, asking, it's powerful. It's where we go to God and see we focus not on God as the source. We focus on the object that we need. Focusing on God as source is prosuke. That's communion. That should be the largest amount of time you spend in prayers, communing with God, reading his word, just reading the word, worshiping like we did. You know, you're, what a great song. Just come on up and say, you're a good, good father. That's just communing. You're communing. You're receiving. He's the source, you're the father, you're sovereign, I'm not, oh God, I love you, all that, that's great. But see, then you've got to move into these realms where we partner with God to bring his kingdom. We partner with him. Jesus said, then you've got to ask. He didn't say, I'm leaving, so just worship the father until I get back. No, he says, I want you to enter a relationship where you start asking him for stuff, <laughs> things, objects, 
go to him. So this word is amazing. This is a word is a very permissive word for us as his kids. We have permission to ask the father. Now there's rules. Just like in your home. You know, the kids can ask, but there's rules. <laughs> you can't ask for that. You can't ask for that. There's rules. So we see what are the laws of asking that the Bible gives us to help us make sure we don't ask wrongly. So James helps us out. I mean, whenever we want rules and regulations, go to the book of James. It's always good for a few, you know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> groans and moans. It's like, oh, no, but it's there for us. So in James chapter 4, he says this. You do not have because you do not ask, right? That's pretty simple. I don't know why. I, well, have you asked? No. <laughs> it's like, oops, maybe I better start there by asking. You know, the, the devil loves to help, help us in our prayer life. How many know that? He's the false helper. The Holy Spirit is the true helper. The devil's the false helper. So he likes to come along and help you sometimes out with your theology of prayer. He'll even use Scripture. This is Scripture. Matthew says, the Father knows what you have need of before you ask. Isn't that true? Is that not a Bible verse? And so the devil will come and say, you don't need to pray. The Father already knows what you have need of before you ask. But Jesus never finished that by saying, so therefore do not ask. That is actually the opposite. It's like, this is encouragement. It's like, hey, the Father knows what you have need of before you ask. So Christmas, you know, it's like, this is easy. It's cheating. God cheats for you. Even in your prayer, God will cheat for you. He's going, can he cheat? Is God allowed to cheat? Yes, he is. He, if God makes all the rules, he can break anyone he wants. He set up every system in the Old Testament, every law, and then he smashed them all when he brought Jesus Christ to the earth and annihilated every rule and regulation. He can do that. He's God. But God cheats for you. God sets you up for victory. He sets you up. Even in your prayer life, he'll set you up. Yes, God knows what you have need of before you ask. That's why he gives the Holy Spirit. You don't. You think you know what you need before you ask. So in the asking, we dialogue with God, and the Holy Spirit comes in and starts editing your prayers for you. Isn't that kind? You say, why do I need to pray in tongues? Because you need the Holy Spirit to edit all the garbage that you're trying to think you need to. Are you with me? <laughs> it's like, you know, Paul, Paul said to the Corinthians, look, I, what is it that I will pray with my spirit, and then I'll pray with the understanding. We get that backwards. We like to pray with our understanding and then kind of like put a punctuation of the couple of little shandara bakaya, amen. A little, little spirit at the end just to make sure, you know, it's spirit. And go, you know, you need to pray in the spirit first. You know why? It helps cleanse all the garbage out, all the selfishness. That's what James says in the next verse there, by the way. He says, you have not because you ask not. And he says, well, there are times that you do ask, but you don't receive because you ask wrongly. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine yourself asking wrongly? I'm a Christian. I don't ask wrongly. Isn't all prayer perfect? No. He says, because you ask to spend it on your passions. Personal passions, carnality. Actually, asking wrongly is a kind way to say it. The Greek has a much stronger definition of that word. It means you ask amiss or diseased, sick prayers. Uh-oh, I know I'm meddling. Sometimes our prayers are diseased. We have the disease of carnality, the disease of the deceit of our own hearts. We're sick, everybody. We're sick. We're mortals. We're sick. We live in a body of death. That's what Paul called it. This body of death is sick. And if you lean on that and the passions of the body of the death, when you go to God and make your request, guess what? Chances are you're going to ask amiss unless you get the Holy Spirit in there. He'll holy up your prayers. I just made that word up. Holy up. 
Okay, he will sanctify your prayers and make it more liturgical. Okay, yeah, the Holy Spirit will come and help you pray healthy prayers instead of sick prayers. Our prayers can get sick sometimes because we don't know. We're human. We're mortal. And the Holy Spirit is there to help us. You know what that word help back in Romans 8, it's just a cool word. It's a little tiny word in English, help. It says, the, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And that's pointing to our prayer life. What kind of help does he give you in your prayer life? The word help there is a big, blah, long, compound Greek word. It's soon, anti, lumbano. And if you break it all down, soon means with, anti is against, lumbano means to take a hold of. And so when it says the Holy Spirit helps us, what he does, he comes alongside, takes hold of that which is pushing against us. That's how he helps us. We come to God in prayer because we have needs. We have pressure. We have things we don't know. We have struggles. We have all kinds of things happening. It's stuff coming against us all the time. And the Holy Spirit comes and he takes hold of that, which is coming against you, and helps you pray through. That's why you need to pray in the Spirit. Because he says, first of all, he does it with groanings that can't be uttered. First of all, he has to take it to God in spiritual language because you can't. You don't have the language to describe it. We really don't. And it says he always makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's why you need to pray in the Spirit first because then the Holy Spirit takes hold of your weakness and he just helps you get past it, gets through it. He edits all the stuff you think you should pray. He's the divine editor. I'm sure I'm praying sometimes and then I kick into tongues and the Holy Spirit spends two or three minutes going, don't give him that, don't give him that. Clem doesn't even know what he's talking about. He doesn't need that either. So ignore that, ignore that. Delete, 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 delete. Now, now what? Okay, and we go, oh, I got the breakthrough. No, you didn't. Now you're just back to zero. You're just, <laughs> the Holy Spirit was, got a hold of all the things that were pushing against you and got rid of your stupid idea of how God should fix it. And now Holy Spirit's going to come make intercession. He'll fix it. He prays according to the will of God. Sometimes we just don't even know. You ask and you don't have because you ask amiss. And then 1 John 5 is probably one of the most powerful kind of measuring sticks of prayer. It really helps us keep measured and keep us on track. 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15. John said this, this is the confidence we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, that's the word I tell, if we ask anything, here's the catchphrase, according to his will, then we know he hears us. I don't know if God ever hears my prayer. You need to pray according to his will. What's his will? Great question. It's this book. The Bible is the will of God. We pray according to the Bible, according to Scripture, according to his divine will. And it says, and look at, if we do that, if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, and you've got to ask, we know that we have the requests that we've asked. There it is again. Three times, ask, ask, ask. You gotta, but you got to ask. you got to try it. you got to get in there and start asking. Asking according. I'll just throw this other one. John 15, 7 goes right along with this. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then what? Then you've had a perfect Bible study. No. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, what should be the end product of God's words abiding in you? Ask. There it is. Then you can ask whatever you will, and it will be done. How do we know? This is the confidence we ask according to his will. See, this all just keeps rolling as, a, as an inner kind of a, a loop inside, a prayer loop that just keeps running 
streaming inside you to keep you on the bubble. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. If we know that he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we ask of him. He goes, if my word abides in you and your words abide in me, then I know I can ask whatever he will and you'll do it for me. It should just keep running in you to keep you on the bubble so you don't you know, start asking amiss. This is our prayer guide. So the disciples came to Jesus asking, how on earth should we pray? That's a good question. How many know we don't have any problem praying in heaven, right? <laughs> How on earth are we going to pray? So go to Luke 11 for a minute. Close with this great little story. I love this parable in Luke 11. But it's set up through what we've known as the Lord's Prayer. I like to call it the disciples' prayer too. Where the disciples come to Jesus in Luke 11. They say, uh, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to prosuke. That's the word prosuke. They watch Jesus commune with God. They love that part of Jesus, going away, communing, talking to God, getting in his presence, just down. Teach us to commune with God. He says, okay, when you commune with God, talk. Say something. Isn't that interesting? In the Greek, that means move your lips. Use your voice. I mean, it's, it's interesting. He didn't say, when you pray, Sit quietly and think. After all, you may be in church. We don't want to disturb anybody. Listen, I grew up in a liturgical church. You weren't allowed to do anything but barely breathe. Shh, what? It's church. Sorry. Shh. We do it together. Ready? Amen. Shh. Quiet now. About to pray. Amen. When you pray, talk. Ever been to a prayer meeting? Go. Anybody got a prayer request? Yeah, I got this prayer request going. Yes? Silent request. Silent. Unspoken request today. What's that? What's an, why did you show up? Yeah, there's those private times. I'm not. We're talking about how to get into the mandate of bringing heaven to earth, your kingdom come, because that's what he takes us into. When you pray, say something. Begin to declare. Listen, we have been given a voice. We haven't been given authority in this planet. And you know what? I think God's just saying, hello, everybody. I need you. He really does. God set up a system whereby he covenanted with us to bring his kingdom from heaven into earth, and we do it with our voice. This is a war of words. Our authority comes in this book, and we better get it in us, and then we better get it out of us. That divine exchange is how God created and how God moves and how he's going to come back. And we need to usher him back by declaring, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's what he taught him. When you pray, say this, first of all, Father, you better know who you're talking to. Father. It's exactly what this morning God was just moving in worship, saying, I'm the Father. I'm here to love you, help you, answer prayers. Come, ask me. And so people came up and started asking the Father, heal me, help me, do this. It's great. Father, what? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You make these incredible declarations. You start out by declaring, God, this is who you are. Now, that's for us. That's to get us kind of like, God, this is who you are. That song, wasn't it so good? This is who you are. It's who you are. Father, you're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. This is who I am. You got you to gotta get in alignment. You know, often we come into prayer and we're totally disjointed, crooked, out of alignment. 
We need a spiritual chiropractor, you know, because we're all crooked coming into our prayer life. We need to get in divine alignment. God, this is who you are. You're Father. You're hallowed. You're powerful. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. We start making declarations. Your kingdom come. Your will be done down here on earth as it is in heaven. Now you're positioned to ask. Now you're in position. A lot of times we're not in the right position. And that's the next thing Jesus said. Once you get in position, heaven, earth, I'm in position. You're the Father. I'm your kid. You love me. Here we go. What's the first thing? Give us. That's what Jesus said. Once you get in position, what's the first thing? Ask him. Ask him for something. Ask. Lord, give to us. God's a giver. Do you know he's a giver? First thing you do when you get in his presence and get in alignment, you start, you can ask God. He's your dad. He's your father. Ask. What? Well, give us each day our daily bread. Let's start with that. Let's start with breakfast. I'm hungry. I need food. I mean, this is, this is very natural. It's kind of like, you know what? I need stuff. To live on this planet, we're calling your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I need stuff down here because you put stuff all around me, and I need stuff. So we ask. I love the way the Greek says it. The Greek says that our bread, the needed portion, give to us daily. Our bread. Isn't it cool? It's our bread. Hey, Father, yeah, you know our bread? (laughs) Our bread, not your bread. Give us the bread that's ours together. We don't just have to ask for the bread. We go right to the baker. He bakes the stuff. He's got a never-ending supply. Our bread, Lord. Yeah, the needed, the needed portion, whatever we, the needed portion, give to us. You know, we don't say, oh, God, yes. I think I might live 80 years. I need 80 years' worth supply of bread. You don't, you don't need 80 years' supply of bread. You need enough to get through the day. We, America, we are so good. Westerners, Americans, man, we're, we can stock up, can't we? We know how to stock up. We got cupboards and freezers, and we got everything we need. You know what? We got plenty. But there's more than just give me enough to eat. I need the things, Lord, that you require of me to get mission done. So, Father, give us what I need. Give us each day our daily bread. And then he just moves from the outer court, as we say, from the body. Then he moves into the soul. Jesus said, okay, and, and you're getting, it's okay to ask God for the outer stuff, but better be aligned on the inside. He says, and by the way, Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those. Stay clean inside in forgiveness. And then finally says, and Lord, then lead us by the Spirit. So he goes, body, soul, spirit. Then lead us by the Spirit. What? Lead us not into temptation. Because if all you ever do is ask for stuff, and if you're harboring any kind of sin and unforgiveness, you will become tempted. The enemy will lead you right into temptation. So you've got to have a divine alignment body, soul, and spirit too. Jesus puts this all in alignment, but it's all in the context of asking. Interesting. The context is, here's a healthy way to ask the Father for the things that you need. And then he goes into this cute little story about the friend at midnight. He goes right into the story. And so he says, well, which one of you has a friend and will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves because a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he'll answer from within, go away, you blockhead, it's midnight. Can't you, are, you, are you crazy? It's midnight. No, I need to, hello, knock, knock. I need some bread. Go away. He says, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. Is that what he's going to say? Jesus said, 
I can't give you anything right. Why, Smith? He's got all these excuses why he can't give. Now, understand, when the rabbis would teach parables like this, they were often taught as a contrast in character, behavior, and moral. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He's setting the disciples up with a contrasting parable to describe our relationship with the Father in prayer. And he starts by talking about friends. He talks about these three friends. Which one of you sets up a crisis, right? Starts out with a crisis. You know, when we don't have stuff, it creates a personal crisis, right? (gasps) Honey, what? We're out of milk. Oh, no. (laughs) It's like crisis, you know? And that's a little crisis. Then they can be very big crisis. We live in an earth today that there's, we're all hanging on big crisis. Every economy of the earth is hanging by a thread. Where's your hope? Who's your relationship with? This guy's got a little crisis, and so we have three friends going on here. We got a visiting friend. He's the, he's the troublemaker. He just shows up at midnight. What kind of people show up at midnight? You know, well, in those days, it was very, very hot, and so people would travel at night when it was cool. It was very normal to show up at someone's house late at night, midnight even. And it was very common in those days to give hospitality to the strange people. Or he was a friend. He just showed up, hey, Mike, yeah, it's me, Clem. Yeah, Ben and I are here. We don't have anything to eat. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. So Mike goes over to say, hey, friend, yeah, let me three loaves. Mike, you idiot, send them down to, you know, the... 7-Eleven's open 24 hours. <laughs> what are you bothering me? No, I, I know you got bread in there. The issue wasn't the bread. <laughs> the issue was what? You're bothering me. See, the contrast is you don't bother God when you go to him. You can go to God any hour of the day. He'll still be your friend. God's your friend, first of all. And you can go to him anytime, anywhere, because he's always got bread. Go away, what? I can't get up and everything. Why my children in bed? The door is shut. He's giving all these excuses. He never said, I don't have any bread. He never said, I don't have any bread. What? Mike, go away. I don't have any bread, man. I'm out of food too. Get some for me. We, it's like, <laughs> no, he says, I can't. Have now watch Jesus says, I tell you, based on this crazy story of these three friends, the guy that shows up, the visiting friend, the, the needy friend, that's you and me, we're all needy, and then the unwilling friend. And this is the contrast of character. Jesus is not unwilling. God the Father's not unwilling. This guy was unwilling, but watch what happens just to the unwilling friend. I will tell you, though he will not and get, get up and give him anything because he is his friend, so it's not longer based on friendship, he is going to get up. You know why? Knock, knock. A guy just won't stop knocking. He will not stop pestering him. He keeps knocking. Just stop it. Am I annoying anybody right now doing that? I hope so. I hope you saw. What was the sermon about? I don't know. The guy kept knocking on the podium. It was driving me crazy. That's the point of the story. It drove the guy crazy. He finally said, all right, I'll get up. He says he will rise, and he will give him whatever he wants. Take the lawnmower. Take the fridge. Take whatever you want. Just get out of here. Leave me alone. Don't ever come back at midnight. Get out of here. And by the way, when you leave, I'm unfriending you on Facebook. You're no longer my friend. Friends don't do that to friends. He won't rise because he's his friend, but because of his impudence, importunity, pestiness. That's my translation. He just pestered him. He wouldn't leave him alone. The Greek word there is, I love, the Greek word actually means shamelessness. He just, go away. No, I'm going to hear you. Stop it. What? He's like, the guy has no shame. No, (laughs) I have no shame. Why? I know you got it, and I know I can have it. That's the moral of the story. God, I know you got it, and Lord, I know I can have it. Because you're not just an unwilling friend. 
and it's not inconvenient to you, and it's not a bad hour of the day. Anytime you're open. So, Lord, I'm just learning to be persistent. Or another translation calls it shameless audacity. The audacity. Yep, exactly. That's my dad. I know I can have it. He just kept knocking. So Jesus said, so here's the deal, folks. (laughs) Based on this story, and I tell you, ready for it? Ask. Say, what's the moral of the story? Ask. That's what Jesus said. I tell you what? Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, 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 and it will be opened unto you. And in the Greek, those are present progressive verbs. So it's ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking, and it will be opened unto you. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. This is just for bread. This is for stuff. And then he finishes it off. He takes him right back to the Father. Yeah, he talks about the friend, and God's your friend. He's not like this. He's like, you can trust God. You can go to him. He's given this beautiful story about impudence and persistence and shameless audacity. Folks, if anybody should go to God the Father and ask him for stuff on this planet, it's us. We're his kids. And he goes right back to that analogy by finishing what father among you. Now he brings it back down to earth, takes it from friendship to fatherhood. What father among you, if his son asks, how many kids like to ask? They're pretty darn good, and they, they will knock-knock you until you're all knock-knocked in the head, right? Can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I go, can I go now, can I go now, can I go now, can I, can I have it now, can I, I'm not making this up, folks. I have four kids and now fourth grandchild on the way. I'm a professional. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will he get, instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, would he give him a scorpion? Of course not. He's saying, that's, again, it's like, of course not. Fathers love to give their kids what they need. And when you're a grandfather, you lose all sanity. Pop, pop, can I have this? Yes. How many do you want? Two, three? Have as many as you want. We were in Cracker Barrel restaurant recently with our grandkids this summer. And, you know, at Cracker Barrel, they set you up for failure as soon as you walk in the door. It's just all this stuff with candy and toys and just like you just kind of walk in like this. But when you got grandkids, all bets are off. So we go into the grandkids and we, our son and daughter, son-in-law and daughter, we go over, you know, we get the table, we're waiting to eat, and it's like, come on. So my wife takes our grandmother, I take my grandson, let's go to, the, go to this door. And it's like, it's always like, whatever you want. You know, his grandson comes and goes, can I have one of these? I go, yeah, you want two? Yes. And then he goes, can I have a third one? Yes, take, a, take three of them. You know, we're loading them up. We're coming back to the table, you know, like this. And my daughter goes, Dad, what did you do? I said, I lost all sanity. Because my grandchildren started asking me. That's all. They just asked, can I have this? Yes, you can. If we being earthly fathers and grandfathers know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more? That's what Jesus is getting to. Here's the last thing. If you then, and he uses that, watch this. This is a little scary. If you then, who are evil, me? Evil? I gave them all the candy they wanted. He goes, yeah, but you're still evil. That's actually a very close word to that word that James used when we pray diseased, evil prayers, evil. 
You who are carnal evil. That's what he's saying. You're carnal. You're of this earth. You're trapped in mortality and carnality. You who are evil, if you, if you can bust through that and give good gifts to your children, how much more? Say that phrase with me. How much more will the heavenly Father? Now, you see, he focuses it all back where he started. Our Father who art in heaven. He just brings them right back to the Father. How, how much more will our heavenly Father give, watch this, the Holy Spirit to those that ask, to those that ask. Oh, you got to ask. He'll give it, but you got to ask. See the relationship? It's all about relationship with the Father. He says, I'll give you whatever you need. Just ask. You feel the Spirit of the Lord tugging on you? I hope so. He's pleading with us, kids, my brothers, my sisters. He's pleading with the body of Christ in this. I'm just, I, this has been, I taught on the burden of the Lord earlier in Sunday school. This has been an incredible burden of the Lord for me to share the Father's heart. And I keep hearing the Father say, go tell him to ask me. Just I go, I'm go, I'm going from church to church in the last few months. God, what do you want to preach on? Tell him to ask me. Again, yes. Just tell him to ask. Why? God loves Victory Christian Church. He loves Ballotton. He loves you guys. And he say, come on, would you please ask me? <laughs> would you please ask? Just ask. Why? He wants your joy to be full. He wants you to bear fruit. He wants you to co-labor him. He wants his kingdom, his rule to come into this region. But you've got to ask. We have a responsibility. That's why Jesus said, I'm leaving. You've got one thing you need to do. I'm leaving. I'm going to the Father. So you start asking. You ask the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, he'll give it to you. Do you understand the urgency of the hour? We've got to get stuff asked for so we can get the mission done. If we stay on the same level of asking as we have been, we're never going to meet the requirements to get the mission done because I'm going to tell you something. The requirements are shifting all the time. They're shifting all the time. We're not going to reach the next generation with last generation's technology. It's changing so fast. We've got to ask. You've got to go to your cell phone provider and ask for an upgrade. I need a new phone. <laughs> Why? This thing's so slow. Yeah. Are you with me? Got to ask. My favorite story of my favorite asker. I was just in Germany a few months ago. It's a missionary by the name of George Mueller. Have you heard of George Mueller? George Mueller was from Germany. And as a teenager, he was a naughty boy. He was not St. George back then. He was a rascal, a hellion. He was a gambler, a drinker, a thief. He would steal right from his own father. He and his buddies would go out carousing, partying, book into a hotel and sneak out in the morning without paying. Caught him one time. They actually put him in jail. This is George Mueller, 16, 17. There's hope, parents. There's hope. Yeah, because his father's idea, his earthly father said, I got to do something. And he said, here's, George, here's what you're going to do. And this is in the 1800s in Germany. If you worked for uh, the clergy, if you went into the clergy, you were a professional. You worked for the government. You got paid by the government, got a a housing, and you got a pension. And he said, I need to set George up for financial security. So, George, this is what you're going to do. So George goes off to seminary in Germany, unsaved, still a rascal and a hellion, and actually one of his favorite pastimes was mocking Christians. He just got really good at it, and he had a lot of material to work with. But anyway, <laughs> so he's hanging out, and uh, there's still, this is like 900 seminary students. They said less, less than 10% were even Christians. That's what kind of a wonderful seminary he was in. It was all just very religious. And, well, one time a buddy of his 
drag George to a Bible study. You want to go? And George thought, this will be great, great material to mock. I'm just going to go, and I'm going to mock every one of them. I'm going to have fun. I'm, yeah, this will be fun. He went out for a night of entertainment until the Holy Spirit moved, and the gospel came. And God in his sovereignty reached down and chose George. Remember, I, you didn't choose me. I chose you. He chose George that night. He got saved. Life changed, comes back, starts praying for the first time, begins to pray, God, what do you want me to do? He started asking. He really felt the call to missions. He was a linguist. He understood Hebrew. He could speak German and everything. He wanted to be a, a missionary. I want to go to the I want to take the gospel to the nations. He had this burning pain. The burden of the Lord came upon him. And so he went to his father and said, Father, I've got good news. I've become a, a believer in Christ, and I believe he's called me to the missions. I'm going to go to the mission field and be a missionary. And he goes, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to stay in that seminary. You're going to be a clergyman for the state, and so they can take care of you. You're not going to do that. But I'm called to missions. He goes, you can be a missionary, but not on my dime. Good luck. And he cut him off. He's cut off from his earthly father, his earthly father's finances. He had no resources of his own. George dropped to his knees in that seminary and said, God, if this is you, you're going to have to supply for me. The next day, one of his professors came and asked him if he would become a tutor in language for students that couldn't speak, and he suddenly had a job, right? The very next day, God gave him a job. He built up money and reserves, but he still wanted to go to mission school, and by golly, he ended up going to the London School of Missions, prayed and believed God. He always prayed and believed God, prayed and believed God, asked God. He just asked. He learned how to ask. He got there. One of the stories goes he was standing in line to pay his tuition at the London School of Missions, and he didn't have enough money, and he's praying. He's still praying. He's standing in line praying, and some guy walks up, from the side, he goes, are you George Mueller? He goes, yes, I am. And he just took a wad of cash and stuffed it in Mueller's pocket and walked away. And he's going like this. And he goes, next, uh, Mueller, yes, that'll be, you know, 375 pounds. And he goes, oh, just a minute. Pulls out this wad of cash and starts counting it out exactly what he needed for his tuition. This went on and on. He graduated from the London School of Missions, wanted to be a missionary. Started to go raise support, started traveling. He went over to the west to Bristol, England, about three hours west. Got to Bristol, England. Knocked on the door of a church, and knock, knock, who's there? George Mueller, who are you? I just graduated from the London School of Missions, and they go, oh, good, what? Uh, we just lost our pastor, and we've been asking God to send us a young pastor to pastor our church. We think it's you. He goes, okay. So he, jumps in. he becomes the pastor of this church in Bristol, England. He's the ripe age of like 19, 20s, just a young man, becomes pastor, Walks into church, first thing he sees, they're selling pews. <laughs> they're charging to sit in the front pews, and then they, you know, it goes less as you can. It's kind of like an air, airplane, you know, like first class, you know, business. And that's why a lot of people don't sit in the front row, if you notice, in churches. You're not, you must not charge as much, but anyway, no. No, Mueller said, no more, no more charging for pews. We're going to do what you do. There's going to box in the back, and we're going to trust God. We're just going to ask God. He never asked people for money. He resolved with God. He said, I'm not going to ask people. I'm going to ask God. Then it's up to the people to obey him. They lift off that box. They lift off those offerings. He gave away a lot of money. And then he saw the need for orphanages in Bristol. There's a massive amount of sickness and things. A lot of parents had died. And there was a lot of orphans wandering the street. And Mueller got the burden of the Lord. He began to bring in orphans. And he began to build orphanages, never asking directly to humans, always asking God, I need bread. He literally one time had to pray, I need bread. He built five orphanages one morning. They're ready to feed 300 orphans one early one morning. 
and he was up praying as he always was, and his uh, kind of house mother came and said, uh, Mr. Mueller, we have nothing to feed the children this morning, 300 kids. He goes, don't worry, I've asked. Sure enough, 6 o'clock in the morning, a knock on the door. Knock, knock, who is it? It's the local baker. He's standing with a big thing of bread. God woke me up at 2 o'clock this morning and said, Mueller's kids need bread, so I guess here you go. Woke him up at 2 in the morning. He's baked bread all night, brought it to the orphanage. Thank you very much. A few minutes later, knock, knock. It was the milkman. Yeah, my cart just broke down in front of your orphanage, and I've got someone to come and repair it, but it's going to take a long time, and we've got to get all the milk off, and by the time, he goes, by the, can you just take all the milk? <laughs> Because it's going to spoil. Sure, bring all the milk in. This, just, these things happen. His prayer journal is loaded with answers to prayer. Why? George knew how to ask. With audacious shamelessness. Why? It's my right. It's certain. I know you will supply because you told me to. George Mueller built orphanages, pastored that church, until the ripe old age of 70. Almost 40 years he pastored that church, but God called him to be a missionary. So at the ripe old age of 70, he turned the church over and became a missionary for the next 18 years. He was a missionary from, turned 70. Mike, there's hope for us when we get older. I got a vision for the future, you know. 70, he finally becomes the missionary, and he did it all by asking, and God supplied, and he sent him all around the world. He went to India, Africa, came to America, all over Britain. He preached the gospel until he was 88 years old. His health started failing, started slowing down, started slowing down. Maybe the ripe old age of 93, he's on his deathbed. He is dying. He's 93. What an incredible life of asking. But there was one thing he had been asking for his whole life. Christian life. Since he was a teenager and got saved in Germany at that Bible study, he began to pray for one of his running buddies, one of his gambling buddies, one of the guys he used to get in trouble with, one of the guys that went to jail with him. He started praying for him, and he prayed for him, and he prayed for him, he prayed for him all these years. The guy still hadn't come to Christ. He's on his deathbed, and he's laying there, and one of his friends is there and they're praying as they always do and Mueller's praying for this friend and his other friend looks at him and he goes George you're still praying for that guy? He goes oh yes I'm still asking Mueller died that week they had his funeral at the gravesite. at the gravesite, there's people around and as the minister is giving the gospel I'm the resurrection and the life you know the burial's coming the gospel's going out in the back a man makes his way down through the crowd and comes down and he kneels down at Mueller's grave, bows his head, and he receives Christ right there. That was George Mueller's friend that he'd prayed for his whole life. George never stopped asking. He really believed what Jesus said. You have not because you ask not. Ask and you will receive. Keep seeking, you will find. Keep knocking, and it shall be opened unto you. Time frame, that's God. Sorry. I wish I had a magic potion. I wish I had a high-speed internet prayer capacity. I don't. But I can tell you, God is not ever late. But he's rarely early. Just to comfort you. So ask. Victory Christian Church, ask. I believe God wants you to enter a season of asking like you've never asked before. Ask shameless, audacious, big prayers. Pray for the biggest thing you can ever imagine, and it probably won't be big enough, but ask big. 
I believe in the body of Christ, we need to ask God for such a massive amount of resource to get the gospel finished in the earth. And it's up to us. He's not going to use any other people group. But he's the Father. Can you hear him? He says, ask me. I'm your Father. Ask me. I'll give it to you. He'll give us the Holy Spirit to show us how to ask. He'll give us the Holy Spirit to sustain us, to edit us, to keep us on the bubble. He'll give us his best. But you've got to do the asking. Are you ready to ask? Let's pray. Father, we come together in a spirit of unity around one word today, one word that you gave us, and that's the word ask. And Lord, we will ask. How much more will you give the Holy Spirit and all of his power, his gifts, his ability, his strength, his prayer life? How much more will you give us the Holy Spirit if we ask? And I want to ask some of you with your heads bowed, just bow your head. You're here today and you say, I don't even know anything about the Holy Spirit. What is this Holy Spirit? I want you to begin to ask. You ask us, God, I want the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit in my prayer life. I want him in my personal life. I want the Holy Spirit. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Boy, do I need him. Never realized how much I needed him. Even till today, I need him. If that's you, I want to pray. Just in your heart, say, I ask. I ask for the Holy Spirit. Father, wherever they are, you hear that inner voice. You hear them. Father, fill fill hearts. Fill people with the Holy Spirit. Receive this Holy Spirit. Remember, you ask. You've got to ask, and you will receive. All I'm saying is receive the Holy Spirit. Everybody, come on. We all leak. Just get a, come on, everybody. Stand up with me. Just stand for just a minute. Stand up. Just stand up and, come on, open up. Open up your heart to the Holy Spirit. Just say, Lord. Come on, ask him. Say, Father, I'm asking. Just say, give me more of the Holy Spirit. Give me more. Just ask him. Move your lips. <laughs> come on, say, come Holy Spirit. Come on. This is real. This is the Bible. what we read this morning. Now let's do it. I, I, don't, I don't like to say, here's a nice sermon. Go home and think about it. It's like, let's do it. Let's do the stuff. Let's receive the Holy Spirit. Let's ask the Father. I challenge somebody to ask big prayers this week. Grab a hold of your wife's hand, your husband's hand, get a hold of your kids, get a hold of your friends, and start asking big prayers. Pray in tongues. Get the mind of the Spirit and ask. I don't know what you're asking. I don't know what you're believing for, Mike. Start asking big. It's not big enough. I don't know what the item is, but I can tell you from the Spirit of God, Mike, ask big. Ask big. Ask bigger. Not big enough. Come on. Let the Holy Spirit challenge you. Ask big. Father's saying, come on, kids, ask me. Ask me. Ask me. Ask big. Who needs jobs right here? You're in the room today and you don't have a job. Don't be embarrassed. Just, I'm going to pray for you right now. You need a job. Someone needs a job. Employment. Okay, you're Minnesotans. You don't like to be embarrassed, so just keep, I'll pray for you anyway. I just feel like there's jobs, I, I, but you've got to ask. Just, let's just ask God corporately for jobs. Father, supply jobs, not only for those present today, members of this church, members of our families, God, members of our families that need jobs, we ask you, Father, to supply stuff. (laughs) We need the stuff. We need bread and we need money. So come on, let's not be weird. We need money. We get money by working. Thank you, Lord, for providing jobs. We will work and you will provide. We ask jobs. Jobs come. Supply jobs for our family members, for our kids, Lord, for those unemployed. Father, supply. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord businesses. Some of you want to expand. You said, I don't have money. 
Start asking. Business expansion. Let's go to the next level. Business expansion. Just ask. You don't have to raise your hand. We're not going to call you up and do an altar call. We're going to ask together. You're here and you're saying, God, that's me. I want to expand my business. I don't have enough capital. God, I want to. God's saying, ask me. Ask me. Father, we ask for business expansion to come. Right from here, from people here. God, you supply. Why? That their fruit would remain, that their joy would be full, that the gospel can go forth, that we'd have more resources for the kingdom. It's all about you. It is all about you, but we ask. Some of you are under heavy financial pressure, medical bills and some other kind of financial catastrophes that have just crippled you. If that's you, let's ask. Let's ask together. Father, for those in extreme financial pressure through unusual medical situations and, Lord, just catastrophic, unexpected things, God, that cause financial pinching and hardship, in Jesus' name, we ask, God, we ask you to supply. We ask you for daily bread. We ask you for sustenance. We keep asking. We come shamelessly to you, our Father, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I'm going to ask audaciously for God to increase the budget of this church and missions. I'm just going to ask for you, Mike, <laughs> elders. Come on, join me. Come on, we need to get the gospel out. Whoever said it couldn't come out of Ballotin, Minnesota? The gospel can come out of anywhere. Bethlehem, little town of Bethlehem, little town of Baladin. Sounds the same, doesn't it? God is not limited. Come on, let's ask. God, reach nations from Ballotin. Marshall, God, reach nations. God, we ask you for missions, funding, resources, stuff, food, clothing, shelter, concrete, bricks, medicine, whatever, God, so that we can distribute out to the nations. We can be a George Mueller in our generation. We can ask. We can reach orphans. We can reach broken people. We can reach those caught up in sex trafficking. We can reach... Widows, disadvantaged. God, we want to reach them. Send people to the nations right from this house, God. And we ask you for airplane tickets and supplies and money. We ask you, Lord, that our fruit would remain. That our joy would be full. Here's the final one. What's the one thing Mueller hung on to till his dying day? Salvation for a friend and a loved one. Some of you believe in God. Come on, we're going to ask together, church. You're believing God for that relative, that friend. Maybe, maybe, maybe they've been friends for 70, 80 years like Mueller. Let's bring them back before the throne this morning. Bring them up before God. Say, God, here they are again. Here I am again. I'm interceding. I'm lending. My access that I have to you as Father, I'm lending it to them who don't know you as Father, we ask for salvation. We ask for you to save our lost loved ones and friends. We ask, and we will not stop asking. We will not stop. Because we are certain. We are certain. This is the confidence that we have. That if we ask anything according to your will, and it is your will to seek and save the lost, it is your will, and therefore, this is our confidence, asking According to your will, we know that you hear us. And if we know that you hear us, we know that we have the petitions that we bring to you this morning.
because we asked. In Jesus' name. Amen? Don't stop asking. Don't stop. I believe you're going to start a movement of prayer right here in your own house. And this is for the old and the young. And I'll tell you what, we can learn how to ask from the kids. Just listen. Say, go ahead and ask them. They, they are unashamed, right? Let's ask like never before. Amen? I'm with you. God bless you.